Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining today. Um, so this is the um, state plan um, discussion being hosted by our area one colleagues. So um, some folks might still be joining in, but we are a couple minutes past the hour. So let's go ahead and jump right in. If you're able to, please turn your cameras on. We'd love to see your faces. Um, if you don't want to do it the whole time, maybe when you speak, um, feel free to unmute and share questions and ideas as as we go through today. Um, and also, if you just want to put your name and what state you're coming from in the chat, that'd be nice so we can see who all's with us today, especially since we have folks likely joining from other areas. Um, Ashley Blythe, I'll pass it over to you. All right, um, welcome everyone. So my name is Ashley Manai. Um, I am up here in Anchorage, Alaska, where we're having some really, really beautiful weather and I'm looking out my window wishing I was outside right now, but um, this is great too. Um, so uh, I'm the heart disease and stroke prevention um, program manager for the state of Alaska. And um, I'm also one of the co-liaisons for this, um, for region one, which is kind of the Western region. Um, thank you, sorry, <laughs> I forgot to mention next slide. Uh, so these are kind of how the regions are broken out, just in case this is helpful for anyone to revisit this. Um, I'm up there in Alaska. My co-liaison um, is Blythe and she is from Hawaii. And uh, so I'll hand it over to her in just a moment to, so she can introduce herself and get us started with our discussions as well. But we're gonna start with a quick poll. If you can go to the next slide. Um, so if you don't mind, let's, let me see, can we launch it? Perfect. So uh, tell us a little bit about how would you describe your experience with developing state plans? Um, and hoping this will, we're hoping this will give us a little bit of a, an idea of where we're starting with our discussion today. And also while the poll is running, if you don't mind, um, I know everyone is putting their states in the, in the chat, which is wonderful. Um, if you're able to uh, change your name, this under your, your face or under your name um, on your little box, if you can just put your state on there as well, that way we can know where everyone is from as we're doing, going through our discussions today. Perfect. So it looks like most of us are in the slightly familiar, somewhat familiar area. So that's, that's pretty good. So we're starting kind of middle of the road. That's, um, that's great. Let's go to the next slide. So these are our plans, kind of our, um, just setting our little, our sort of ground rules, ground, ground, um, ground level plans for our discussion today. We're gonna go through three main discussion topics. Um, we're looking for at least three volunteers or, or three states basically to share for each of our topics. So uh, just so you know, I am comfortable with awkward silence. So we'll wait until everyone is, is getting braver. So we're gonna hope for at least three volunteers, but if we have more than that, that's great too. We're uh, planning to allocate about 10 to 12 minutes per topic. And uh, we welcome you all to use the chat to share ideas or additional thoughts. Um, or other things that you would like to contribute maybe before it escapes your mind. Um, and we do ask if you don't mind, if you're able to turn on your camera whenever possible. It's just, you know, um, in today's age of spending so many hours on Zoom, it's really nice to see some faces as we're talking to each other. Um, next slide. And I'm gonna hand it over to Blythe. Thank you, Ashley. So um, uh, I'm Blythe, I work in our Hawaii Department of Health. I actually work on 
both our diabetes and heart disease and stroke programs. Um, and our first discussion topic has to do with whether you're, you know, I think the, the polls, some of us were kind of familiar or sort of familiar, um, but we're curious if anyone wants to share examples of what your state may have done either with 1815 or during the time of 1815 as it relates to your state plan. Um, and as you guys kind of think about what you might want to share, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what we've been doing in Hawaii. Um, so we, last year, it, it took a couple years to develop, but we actually developed a, a coordinated chronic disease plan. We call it our Healthy Hawaii Strategic Plan. Um, and it includes diabetes, heart disease and stroke, asthma, cancer, tobacco, and our physical activity activity and nutrition programs. And this was um, a pretty significant effort that we took on in our chronic disease division. Um, it took a couple of years of planning, COVID didn't help with that. Um, but when you look at, you know, we developed kind of a structure. So each, there's an overarching plan and then each program has its own smaller plan with its own objectives. We also have, you know, we developed a structure in which, um, we look at it by program area, and then we have objectives organized by sector. So in community, in schools, in work sites, and in healthcare. And obviously some of those fit some programs better than others. So, you know, for example, for us, we have quite a lot of objectives in the healthcare sector, maybe fewer in schools, for example. Um, and so I think some of the prompts we, we have is what have we done? And then how did we secure leadership so this was kind of a, a this was a big push by within our division. Our division administrator really wanted to do this. So it was less about um, securing agency leadership and more about kind of getting partner engagement around doing this. Some of our programs had a lot of experience doing strategic plans, and some of us had less. Um, but because we're kind of a smaller state, a lot of us work with similar partners it kind of made sense to try to align our different strategic planning processes in this way. Um, so I will pause there. I think we'll, we can maybe get into it more as other states share and some of the challenges that have come up. Um, but right now, if anyone else would like to share kind of what they may have done um, with a state plan. This is Tiffany in North Dakota. I just want to say I would love to participate and share what we've done, but we haven't done a state plan. So I'm really just here to <laughs> learn and I appreciate uh, I appreciate being able to receive the information today. So I would love to participate, but I unfortunately can't. So I appreciate that, Tiffany. Um, has, has anyone else tried to do this? This is Jesse in Montana. I was just going to say that while we haven't done it in a state plan, we do include cardiovascular health and diabetes in our state health improvement plan. That's part of the accreditation process. And we do have a, we, our, our chronic disease bureau puts out every two years kind of a summary document of all of the work that the programs in the bureau are working on, kind of similar to what you were mentioning, maybe Blythe, in terms of addressing all the programs. Do other states, uh, are other states, in, are any of you involved in this, this ship process? I think that's pretty common. Um, I think when we did kind of the, the registration questions, I think a few people mentioned that um, besides Montana. Does anyone have any 
questions they would like to pose around this besides kind of open-ended how did how did how was it done there's specific things people are curious about i guess we're similar to i think that was tiffany we also have we're creating a um strategic plan for our bureau which include includes cancer and chronic disease and so we're including hypertension diabetes um like objectives and process objectives um in that um but i guess one of my questions is you know what signifies a state plan versus sort of a strategic plan for a bureau and because it sounds similar so i think for us um you, you know we this we put some of our state funds into the kind of the engagement and the planning and the, the development of the plan but the intention was for it's not supposed to be a department plan in which we are implementing every single objective in the plan the idea would be that this is a plan that our partners have some ownership in in terms of kind of implementation of the objectives and strategies um, so for us, that's kind of the distinction of calling it a state plan versus more of an, an internal strategic plan. And of course, that's that's an ongoing challenge, right? Because um, you know we're we're writing it, so I think that there there's the the line at which you know certain decisions obviously fall to us in terms of what gets included and how it's phrased and how it's measured and things like that um but it when we get maybe when we get to the implementation question which maybe there will be a whole lot to discuss um you know that i think that's sort of the one of the ongoing challenges how do you kind of maintain that that partner engagement in terms of um you know there are these strategies that that as the state health department we cannot achieve all by ourselves so how can we sort of facilitate your success in doing this which you know in a lot of cases does not include resources right so for with 1815 we you know a lot, of course a lot of our partners that we fund are part of this process but you know not everything in the straight plan not everything in our state plan matches with a cdc work plan right there's there's things that go beyond um so finding that balance between yes we can all agree that this is this needs to be a priority for a state this is important for prevention or management but that's you know this is not necessarily what 1815 is asking us to work on. Um, and then I'll just make a final comment and maybe we can move on to the second topic, which is that, um, you know, for, for heart disease and stroke and for diabetes, we are not necessarily asked by CDC to do strategic, you know, to do a state plan and do these, this type of work. And so for us, it was, you know, a little bit of an additional ask in terms of, you know, our staff are having to work on this and work on everything we have to do for 1815. Um, so I think, you know, as, as we participate, it was, you know, that for all of our programs, it was making sure that everyone, that it met the needs of all these different programs. Um, and so it remains to be seen if, that, if that's true, right? Um, but, but when you look at our plan, which maybe I'll, when I have a chance, I can share it in the chat. Um, you know, some programs have quite a lot of objectives. Ours are a little bit more streamlined, um, but I think what was most important to us is that it just reflect the input from our partners and not just be kind of what we think needs to be in the plan. Um, so I'll, I'll 
let that sit in case anyone else wants to comment either. Oh, there was a comment in the chat. Yeah, Blythe, and it's uh, Lindsay from Nebraska saying that they're piloting a new ship process. So they'll have more to share as they move through. So Lindsay, hopefully maybe you can get some ideas today to help you with that process. Cool. So Blythe. Yep. So were your strategies and activities overarching or were they siloed? How did you kind of deal with that with this many topics? And I'm Sandra from Alabama. So Sandra, so we did a few things, right? So uh, I would say most of the objectives are specific to the program, right? Like uh, um, we, we want to have coverage, we want to try to achieve Medicaid coverage for SMBP and MTM, for example, right? That's, that's one of the ones from our heart disease and stroke plan. Um, but particularly because, um, you know, at least diabetes and heart disease work so closely together, um, we have a lot of we have a couple of objectives that we call um, that apply to multiple programs. So, and those are kind of, we have some objectives around uh, HIT and team-based care. Basically, uh, you know, we need to do better in those areas. We need to prioritize and, and do some, the language we used for those was, was fairly broad because when we looked at what, how other states have done it, it, it really was kind of a newer thing. Um, but you'll see that that both that all of our in the diabetes plan, the asthma plan, and the heart disease stroke plan, there's the same objective that has to do with you know improving team-based care um, and sort of expanding HIT infrastructure in our state. Across the programs, um, there is sort of this you know everybody wants to do worksite wellness, right? Or everyone wants to have prevention and management programs that that target employers or target people and where they work. So we have one objective that's sort of the same across all program areas that addresses that, um, that, that talks about kind of establishing this, this program and this infrastructure to do that. At the same time, you know, there are lots of very individualized ones, right? So as I mentioned, a couple for heart disease and stroke, for diabetes, things around, um, you know, DSMES and DPP, you know, those are very specific to the diabetes program. So we try to do, so it's both. There are some that are specific to the program and then in some areas, um, there are objectives that apply across multiple program areas. Thank you. And I will say part of that, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I know I have a lot of questions today, I apologize. Um, what's the year, like what's the time frame and what, your plan is? So it's a, a 10 year plan, more like a nine and a half year plan. So we, it, it's from 2021 to 2030. I think because, you know, we started in 2019. I, I can talk a little bit more about kind of, you know, the first step in the process was to kind of identify an advisory group, kind of engage those folks, kind of help them understand what we were trying to do conceptually and kind of get their input on the process itself. So this, you know, it took us a few years to, to do the planning. And so I think considering that we, five years would be short, right? Like we'd have to restart again in five years. So um, we set it to, end, to, to sunset in 2030. And so for some of our objectives, I think 
you know, particularly the ones I mentioned uh, in our healthcare, the the ones around HIT and the ones around team-based care, because they're so, you know, how Healthy People 2030 has their developmental. They're a little bit more like our first step is really just to convene folks and and get, understand where we're at and where we might be able to go in 10 years, where other things are much more much more clear, right? Like we need coverage, we need X number more programs, like that's those are more straightforward. So, but for some of them, I think the 10 years gives us some time to really, really do, you know, take the time with that process, getting people kind of a shared understanding, getting people to prioritize together and still allowing us time to try and achieve some of the things that we're trying to do. Thanks, Blythe. That was really, um, really useful information. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we, we can stop yeah. talking about Hawaii now. We haven't gone through that same process up here in Alaska, but we've, um, our chronic disease section is the largest section in our division of public health. So we do have a lot of sway. And so we're involved with a lot of things, but it's not a, I don't think it's a formalized sort of state plan, like what, what you're describing. Um, should we move on to the next discussion? I think so. All right. Um, so what crossovers between category A and category B 1815 work has your organization found to be successful? And um, I'll start with some examples of what we've been working on here um, in Alaska. We, so our uh, diabetes program manager, um, her name is Julie, she and I work very closely together with, um, we, we try as much as we can to join our work together with contracts with different organizations and entities throughout the state. Um, whenever possible, we also try to bring in our cancer um, program into our contracts and into our projects as well. The way that our chronic disease section is structured, um, heart, diabetes, and cancer are all under a unit called a health systems collaboration. And so the three of us, cancer, heart, and diabetes, work very closely. And um, it's, pretty, it's pretty streamlined for us to be able to put together plans and objectives um, to do contracts together. This has ended up being really helpful because during times when we have more growth with diabetes or more growth with heart, we can kind of focus a little bit more of our attention and support each other in, in those ways. Um, so we went through kind of a phase of really trying to grow our diabetes prevention programs. And right now for the past year, I've been really pushing growing our SMBP programs. Um, and so it allows us a little bit of flexibility with time of uh, the time allocated from our contractors and then also just Julie and I supporting each other as well. Um, we also are very, we're both very well versed in each other's programs. So um, for a while before Julie started for about six months, I was managing both diabetes and the heart program. So I, I know the diabetes program well enough that I can speak to it if she's out. Um, and since she started, she, she has, um, been working closely enough that with me that she's also well-versed enough in the heart program that she can speak to it very well while I'm out as well. So, um, it, it, this has really helped us so that we can, um, you know, uh, really tag team on our contracts and our projects. Um, we can help each other out when there are questions from contractors. Um, we've been able to support each other with doing uh, talks and invited lectures and things like that, presentations to different entities around the state. Um, 
We've also put together a series of different slide decks and presentations that we've been delivering to uh, different groups around the state, like our tribal health organizations, our um, primary care association, different large provider groups around the state and um, conferences that are happening. Anything that we can get our foot in the door with, we are able to deliver presentations that we've put together together. Um, and there's information in there about diabetes and heart. And so we're able to to uh, give, give a really good rundown of the programs that we provide and that we support. And we're able to answer questions for anyone who is interested in possibly starting their own diabetes um, prevention or diabetes self-management or self, uh, blood pressure self-management program. So we can answer questions to, to all of those. So that's been really helpful for us up here is, is just this really close-knit sort of, of relationship that we have. Um, and, and trying whenever possible to bring together our work and, and design our projects to be um, more of a partnership. I would love to hear about any examples of other ways that other states have um, brought CAT A and B together. None at all. No one does it. No one wants to work with diabetes. <laughs> Hi, this is Laura Anderson and I'm in Texas. And so this is one thing I can contribute to the conversation. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so um, in our state, in our department, we, our diabetes program and our heart disease and stroke program are under um, different management streams. And so it's very hard to get them to work together because they each have their own manager, own director, they're in separate branches. So it gets wow. pretty siloed. So we've tried um, multiple ways of getting them to be more collaborative. Um, and through that, we have a singular um, FTE that they share. 1815 funding goes into this one FTE and there are team-based care specialists. So they work across both programs to do team-based care, which means they work with the same contractors and they kind of, is is that unifying part for each one. So it kind of makes that bridge through this one particular FTE. And then we also have, um, we do the shared contracts like you were talking about. So we have three joint contractors where we join the diabetes side and the heart disease side through our contractors. And then the team is forced to work <laughs> with each other to build those statements of work and have those conversations. And so that's really how we're doing it right now. But the agency has seen a bigger um, way of providing that bridge. And so we just went through a reorg. And I have a lot of hope that that will bring more synergy between the programs because in that reorg that goes in effect next week, um, diabetes and heart disease will be in the same branch in two particular programs that will be joined together under one manager and one director. And with myself being the coordinator for um, at a higher level for both programs in terms of like our grant work and special projects. And so um, I think there'll be a lot more synergy that way. So we're doing it in a couple of ways, you know, to fill the gaps, but right now it looks like we're, we're actually making a structural system move in terms of bringing the two programs together um, in an organizational chart. So that's, I'll pause there. <laughs> That's, that's really interesting. I can imagine that probably made it so that it was always an uphill battle trying to bring them together if you're, if you're that siloed. <laughs> uh, yeah, particularly for my position, I coordinate the 1815 grant and the 1817 grant. And so 
both teams had different processes, workflows, different ways of working, personalities, and so yeah. it was a very uphill battle. Um, so this is going to be a nice change of pace and hopefully set the stage for the next NOFO and a lot more synergy between the two programs. Thank you, Laurie. Um, really interesting to hear about how different it is um, in Texas. Um, Tiffany, I see your hand up. Yeah, I'm like Lori, I can contribute to this part of the conversation also. So uh, in stark contrast to Lori, we do everything together in North Dakota uh, with Cat A and Cat B. It is just two staff. Uh, I manage Cat B and then my coworker manages Category A. Uh, we do everything together. Our health systems partners, so all of our healthcare entities, our contracts are combined. Um, I manage and write all of those. Um, as well as all of our pharmacy contracts are both Cat A and Cat B, and they're combined, and I write and manage most of those as well. Um, DPP takes place in a lot of our healthcare entities, so a lot of that funding gets run through um, a joint contract. Um, there is very little that is done separately, um, but yeah, pretty much everything goes together and works hand in hand. Uh, the one thing that we don't work on together is our reporting because besides performance measures, that is the only thing we have in common between cat A and cat B. Her report is completely different, templates completely different. So um, outside of that, our evaluators get to, um, get to work completely separately. So that's a great question. Uh, Kayla, so we worked a little more siloed in 1305, uh, mostly because we also had, you know, the, we don't have any obesity funding right now. We don't have any of the other pieces right now. And so there were a couple other players at the table and the previous diabetes coordinator and I, um, I started later than her. And so it's just, we just kind of adopted a more siloed approach, but all of our contracts and everything were written together and done together um, for diabetes and hypertension in 1305. And then um, the current, like like Alaska, I took, I or I think it was, you said that you had worked some of managing cat A while somebody was, yep, that was me. I did, I managed cat A for six months before we hired our new diabetes coordinator too. And so um, I got to know it very well. And so then it just seemed to make sense when you, can see that synergy between the two. It just made sense. So, um, so I'm with you. We do we do everything together, <laughs> everything. Yep. yep. <laughs> sounds uh, yeah. Um, your your structure sounds very similar to ours. That's that's how we are too. I think it's uh maybe it's the small state thing. <laughs> we we get one person per program, so we got to work together. <laughs> yeah. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. <laughs> I see a um, comment in the chat. So Montana has been crossing over pharmacy and clinic um, clinic pharmacy partnership work to focus on HTN and DM. Your QI and MTM projects crossover is CAT A and B, also 1815, 1817. Awesome. That's great. Hello, um, this is Emily from Nebraska. I can go ahead and contribute. Um, my coworker, Lindsay, is also on. So we might talk a little bit about it together, actually. Um, so previously, we weren't really collaborating. I mean, we were having discussions, obviously collaborative, but we had pretty separate staff members of we had the CAT A team and the CAT B team. But we've had turnover, you know, we had one person retire and someone else switch programs. And so our CAT A team is actually somewhat empty. And so because of that, we've been trying to um, do a little bit more crossover, which we think is actually a good thing. And we're hoping to implement it a little more seriously down the road. Um, 
prior to this, the way we were structured was we had the Cat A team, we had the Cat B team, and then we had my coworker, Lindsay, who um, kind of fell under the Cat B team, but is really in charge of lifestyle management programs and also pharmacy programs. Um, and so now the way that we've been trying to bridge the crossover is I was working on the CAPI side, I was working with different clinics and healthcare systems. And so now I am transitioning to do DPP on the referral side. So trying to work with those clinics and health systems that might be doing the DPP referrals. Um, and then Lindsay is jumping in and kind of using her um, lifestyle class experiences to work on the other side of the DPP, which is those entities that would be refer, um, receiving the referrals. And so that's sort of how we split it up. We're still in the early stages, like I'm trying to learn DPP beforehand. I really did not know a lot about the program. So I think this crossover that's happening is a good thing. And yeah, and I'll, I'll just, yeah, we all back you up there, <laughs> Emily. Yeah, she described that really well, but we are having more crossover. And I think as we move into, um, a new competitive application, we're going to be thinking more about how we can be more collaborative. Um, but as a lot of you have said too, our pharmacy work is probably one area where we were already being more collaborative. Um, we write the agreements separately just to keep the budgets clean between the diabetes side and heart disease, but we really work to, you know, all of our check-in meetings with our pharmacy partners we do together between both teams. So there's more coordination in that area, um, but we're really hoping to uh, continue to collaborate more between Cat A and Cat B because there is a lot of crossover. Um, so, awesome. <clears throat> well, that's really great to hear. I love hearing about different ways of um, approaching, you know, breaking down silos. We have a lot of conversations in our team up here about uh, breaking down silos between different teams and units and um, and programs. So. I do think it helps a lot to have some crossover. Obviously, we have to have some that's separate, but <clears throat> yeah, wonderful. Thanks everyone for contributing to that discussion. That was really great to learn about what different states are doing and how you guys are achieving this. Um, we, let's move on to the next topic, Blake. Okay, so we're gonna try this one. Um, uh, but we, I'm guessing we may have to pivot a little, but what we are hoping to get into um, was kind of the implementation of any sort of state plans or strategic plans once they're created, um, but particularly around kind of the keeping stakeholders engaged, um, how might they have been useful, um, and any strategies for kind of establishing collaboration. Um, so I'm going to open that up and see if anyone has any thoughts. And it, you could be I mean, we, we don't have to stick to the state plan topic. So, I mean, it could be, um, you know, considering our last our last topic on kind of the, the, the crossover, are there strategies or things that folks have done to kind of, you know, engage those stakeholders and partners and be like, hey, we're coming both from cat A and cat B. Um, what this is kind of our thinking around trying to do this collaboratively you know, have, you know, has that been a difficult sort of engagement process? Anything folks would like to share about that? Um, I mean, obviously, when you're giving, you're contracting with them, it, it, there's sort of that, well, this is how we want to do it. And so they, they can just agree. Um, but I, I think, you know, do your, are your partners happy to, to work collaboratively? I know for us, 
you know, fewer meetings is always better. It's less confusing when they're, they're hearing from multiple people. So kind of any thoughts on that, on kind of working with partners on these crossovers, whether or not it's a state plan. So I can give a funny little tidbit for this. Um, we've actually had some of our partners approach us and propose um, joining contracts and collaborating more with different teams um, because it's actually, it's a benefit to them as well. Like you said, fewer meetings and, and less paperwork, less just legwork all around. Um, the one that comes to mind is we have a, we have a contractor that we um, work with to support our coalitions. And um, they also work with several other teams in, uh, in public health um, supporting other coalitions and like, why don't we, you know, combine the cancer one with this one, we can, we can bring together the coalition work, we can support you guys together. Um, so it's funny, we've, we've had it go both ways where our partners, I guess it's a great thing that they feel empowered enough to bring that to us and suggest more collaboration. So. And this is Tiffany in North Dakota. I can share about just engaging partners. We have an amazing relationship with all of our partners. Um, I mean, we go out for coffee together. I mean, we get to see them often in person. And I think that that truly has changed our relationships with our partners um, to the point that when they contract with maybe another division within the Department of Health, they reach out to us and go, gosh, your contracts are so easy or your work plans are so understandable, why doesn't this division do that? And so then we have to try to assist the other division within our own department and saying, mm, that's not really how you work with partners. Um, so we've been trying to do that the best we can, but honestly, coming to our partners with an open heart and an open mind about what they want to work on too, they are on the ground experts, right? So they know their patient population for pharmacy, they know the landscape of pharmacy, coming to them and saying, okay, this is what 1815 says we can do. And that was, you know, what we did in year one. What do you guys want to do? What are some shovel ready projects that we can get started right away? What are some dreams? Like at the end of this, what do you guys want to see out of this partnership? I, I always tell our partners that this is not our work. I'm responsible for the money and I am responsible to support them, but these are their patients. This is their work for pharmacy. This is their business. Um, and so just supporting them in any way that I can, um, being their cheerleader, being their advocate, being their support is really beneficial and honestly has, has made waves. Um, we have partners coming to us asking to be partner because they've heard from others that they want, you know, that the, that the partnership has been beneficial um, both ways. So we still get what we need. We still are responsible for the dollars, but realistically, it's their patients um, that they're responsible for. So we just love on them as much as we can. And I know that sounds totally silly, but um, honestly, it pays us dividends because then when we do need them to do something that maybe they're not really excited about, they're much more willing uh, to help us out and do those things when we've you know, been willing to do uh, so much to help them. So, but I mean, it's truly like you, your partners in so many cases, if you give them that little bit of friendship and that little bit of kindness, um, it really does go a long way. We all need more. We all need more heart uh, in our work. Thank you. That was, that was very encouraging. I'm like, hey, we're doing something good. So if folks are shy, you know, feel free to use the chat. Feel free to put questions in the chat. You know, I know that maybe, um, 
you know, we had thought that these might be some good discussion topics, but if folks have other questions, we certainly have the time to maybe consider them. Um, the other thing, the other question I kind of wanted to pose was, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, collaboration between Cat A and Cat B, diabetes and heart disease and stroke. Um, are any, is anyone doing any sort of crossover or collaboration beyond those chronic disease programs? Um, maybe as it relates to community health workers or so, sort of other efforts that are 1815 adjacent, but have you found kind of alignment with any, any other efforts that may be happening in your state that you'd like to share with us? I can share quickly. We um, in North Dakota just had some success in the legislature with getting tobacco cessation covered um, as a covered benefit for pharmacy, meaning pharmacy can prescribe tobacco cessation supplies and have that covered um, at, for all North Dakotans. So pharmacy can prescribe it, they can fill it, and they can do the tobacco counseling and cessation as a reimbursable service. So we have been utilizing our pharmacy partnerships to help get all of the key players that need to know involved and at the table to plan this rollout. And then um, we'll be using our partnerships to kind of get tobacco connected with the right people so that they can help uh, get the education out there. So. Um, Again, having those partnerships in place has been really helpful to partners that are not necessarily used to partnering with certain entities. Well, Blythe, I think I'll, I'll pick on you again, just to, so you know, you've got this 10 year plan. So in, in doing the planning and like getting to know the partners and establishing the objectives and things, like did you kind of build out how would we check in about the plan or what did that look like? You know? So, so I think, there are several things that will happen. I think kind of at the, at the, at the everybody level, right? Across the, like all the stakeholders, other program stakeholders, I think, um, you know, there may be one or two sort of large summits or, or convenings that we'll do, like hopefully, hopefully in person. Um, but I mean, as the implementation goes, I think it varies by program. So, you know, some of them have, some of our, our, so not diabetes and heart disease and stroke, but some of the other programs have pretty well uh, established coalitions that they meet with at least annually, work groups that may meet monthly or, or, or whatever to work on very specific objectives. I think for diabetes and heart disease and stroke, that's less the case. We just don't have the, the time and the capacity to, to do that. Um, so for us, I think it might be more of a, like once or twice a year, we'll try to kind of give people updates we do as a as an entire division we do convene the advisory group a couple times a year but i think for our programs you know our goal has been we have been sort of delayed on doing this but has been to sort of bring our, our advisory group members and our leadership not our stakeholder leadership together um to start working on it and and i, I will say we've been we, we just haven't had the time to do it. We've been busy, we've been um, lacking in staff, but I think the intention is there um, to use that, you know, to be separate, just be somewhat separate from 1815, right? We're meeting with our partners to talk about 1815 and, and the work they're doing there, but we'd also like to bring people together a few times a year to really think about some of these other things that are not included in 1815 and try to make the, that progress. And I think that's, you know, again, coming back to, 
around kind of HIT and team-based infrastructure. So HIT infrastructure is kind of one thing. And then also team-based care, I think through 1815, we have a lot of models that we've been able to do with different partners, but I think, and maybe this will come up in the sustainability one, who knows? I think where we've run into it is really trying to get sort of payers, um, more better payer engagement around that, um, kind of at, at that state level, because for us, it's, you know, you just can't really scale some of this team-based care work without, um, you know, some of these insurers, I think, having a little bit more buy-in. So I think, there need, you know, I think there's interest from the folks we work with to have kind of <clears throat> a space to kind of strategize around that, kind of engage those folks as well. Um, so I think, and I think the our strategic plan is going to support that. Does that answer? That was a lot of information. That was a lot of words. Sorry. Yeah, that's great. Great play. Thank you. Let me check the and chat. And I'm seeing comments. some stuff in the chat. Yeah, Blay. We've got Emily talking about their Every Woman Matters program. I assume that's like the breast and cervical program in Nebraska. That's what it's called. Um, Emily, the wise, is that wise woman? Um, we're we actually, as I'm reading her comment, we've been doing some similar things with our cancer program as well to see if we can um, partner some blood pressure management types of approaches in with some of the cancer survivorship um, programs that she has going on as well. Um, well, does anyone have anything else to add to any of any of the topics that we talked about today, or are there any topics that are um, on your mind that you think would be worth talking about as we're um, you know, discussing different methods and approaches and, and ideas for kind of breaking down silos across different programs in our states. Hey, sorry, I had some technical difficulties. To provide context to what I said earlier, actually, our, our Wise Woman program, I'm, I can kind of read it off of their website here, but it's a federally funded program that pays for office visits associated with PAP tests, pelvic exams, clinical breast exams, and lab fees. Um, I think it maybe stems from Wise Woman. But yeah, essentially they, we, they have some money that they can offer for SMBP devices and some of the lab results. And so we've just kind of through that thought that it maybe makes sense to collaborate them, especially since they do support women, especially in getting those cholesterol lab results and controlling hypertension. Um, right now, we're not exactly doing that. We've been having some initial conversations and thought that that might make sense to build it into the work plan. Um, to focus on women potentially, but we just haven't got there yet, but it's a thought. Yeah, I think it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so one thing that we just started working on up here is our, um, our physical activity and nutrition group has been, um, well, the, our physical activity and nutrition group and our injury prevention group um, have been working on starting bingo size programs at some of the senior centers in the state. And um, so they approached us to see if we would want to partner with them to bring in some diabetes and some blood pressure management types of um, efforts into bingo size. So um, we're working on possibly starting a bingo size blood pressure, diabetes, something, something uh, down in Sitka, Alaska. So um, I'm excited to see where that goes. Did you say bingo size? Yes. As in, like, <laughs> as in, are you you're pairing playing bingo? Yes, apparent. So apparently, exercise. Yeah. So apparently, bingo size is like an an actual curriculum. Like there is an actual plan for this. 
um, and it's it's something that's done in um, you know like aging home uh, aging and and what what do they call them um, like retirement communities and senior centers, um, basically places with aging folks and um, to keep them active, but to keep their minds kind of engaged in something at the same time. Um, so, yeah. I love that so much. Sorry, I just got a little giddy over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been on a mission to try to start SMBP programs in our senior centers. And then when they approached me, when, when our um, physical activity nutrition team approached us about, about this, I was like, this is a great way to do it. <laughs> So we'll see where it goes. All right, maybe we're all done with conversation for today. Well, this was really wonderful. Thank you to everyone who contributed um, uh, both in chat and, and out loud. If anyone has anything else you'd love to talk about, um, we are more than happy to stick around and, and keep talking. But if not, I guess we can break a little early. <laughs>